Welcome back, friends. Thank you for joining us. Um, we are on a roll right now, Lou and I. <laughs> hey, Lou. How are we doing today? Good. So we are now on the final one-third of the Gita. So we're going yeah, to be so starting... stop right here and go okay. back to episode 119 if you haven't listened to it yet, because it's essential. <laughs> Thank you for saying that, Lou. I, yeah. I enjoyed doing episode 119. So if you uh, haven't listened to it, please, because it'll make a lot more sense when you come to 120 and further episodes. But today we're going to be talking about chapter 13, verse 1 through 5. So in most of the many of the Gita uh, editions, you will not see verse 1. And there's many reasons for that. One is, like I was saying to Lou and to some of you before, the Gita is exactly 700 verses. And it was not written down until much later after it was composed. Prior to that, it was just uh, sung and passed on to many different families. So maybe they had to have a certain fixed number of verses. They didn't want to throw off that number so that anybody and everybody can go back and say, there's just so many verses and exactly so many words, so many shlokas. And so all of that is very carefully metered out so that not a single word is missing for thousands of years. They were worried about something like the great deluge or flood, taking away all of these precious things. So anyway, verse one is not always uh, present, but it is there in the original. And in the original, Arjuna asks Krishna in a, in a long way, I'll shorten it. Basically, he says this whole, all these different words for matter and spirit, body and life. What is this all? I wish to know the difference between these different words. So what that proves to us is that by the time 3101 BCE, 5,000 years ago, came, Vyasa said that the common man didn't even understand the words that were written in the original scriptures. So you can just imagine how old those were. This was 5,000 years ago that Arjuna was saying, I don't understand the meaning of these words in the scriptures. So... Arjuna says, what is the difference between Prakriti and Purusha? What is the difference between Kshetra and Kshetragnya? What is the difference between Jnanam and Niyam? These I wish to know, the differences. So this is matter and spirit, or the field, which is known as Kshetra, and Kshetragnya, which is the knower of the field. And what is the knowledge difference between that which has to be known and knowledge, which is the one that knows that which has to be known? So we've all heard that the Mahabharat war, major war, was fought in a place called Kurukshetra. So Kurukshetra refers to the tribe or clan of Kuru, which was the one in Kshetra means also field and the knower of the field. Now, the body is considered a field, a field like a battlefield, a field right. where vegetables and fruits and trees are grown. Why? Because the body is where action takes place, both on the receiving end as well as on the giving end. 
and the body is the one that gets the rewards or the fruit so in a fruit in a field grows fruit so the fruit of all your actions is born and enjoyed by the body so that's the field and the knower of the field is kshetra gnya gnya is short for knowledge so prakriti means matter and purusha means the conscious principle or brahman and atman or and or atman which transforms that body into a living being so kshetragnya means consciousness of the body so i am is the thing that you always say from the child from early childhood to old age you're always saying i am that's the consciousness that never leaves you your body changes you become from a child to a young man to a middle aged man to an old man and that i am constantly remains that is the knower of the field so the knower of the field kshetragnya is the conscious says i am conscious of the kshetra including the world kshetra is not only the body but also the rest of the world anything that you're conscious of the kshetra has modifications so it modifies and we'll go into that as we go further so kshetra means matter or body or a field in which the atman functions and the atman is therefore the knower of the kshetra which is the kshetragnya the combination of kshetra and kshetragnya create the knower of the field the living being and individual same thing with jnana which refers to supreme knowledge or brahman all knowing and nyaya denotes the culmination of all knowledge absolute knowledge meaning the supreme brahman so that's arjuna's question to the lord says what does this mean what are these words i hear them bandied around in the scriptures people talk about them but i don't know the common man doesn't know what they mean right krishna then replies this body is called kshetra which is field he who knows it is called kshetragnya nor of the field by those who know of that meaning meaning brahman brahman kshetra yeah. is the material body in which the kshetragnya lives kshetra is the field where the fruits are born um as we said before and kshetragnya is the knowing principle the one the one who knows this body is called kshetragnya not just through your senses but also through your consciousness that consciousness knows the body and together is the living function so you'll notice that krishna and these verses are repeating this and that's because as we did in the introduction in in uh, episode 119 it is hard to understand so krishna is repeating it and in verse 3 he says and o bharata know me meaning brahman as the kshetragnya nor in all kshetra fields not just one your body the knowledge of kshetra and kshetragnya that is considered by me to be knowledge so there are many bodies right human body the body of an elephant the body of a tiger right. the body of an insect a, a, a little mouse they're all bodies and in every body there is atman present in every body there's life wherever there's life there's the atman which is brahman and within each body there may be other bodies so for instance a human being when i was in medical school we were taught in india how many different kinds of worms actual worms live could live in the body and bacteria and uh viruses and lice in your hair all kinds of horrible things these mm-hmm. are all you know uh, 
things that live within another body. If you talk to veterinarians, they'll tell you how many parasites live within uh, animals. So recognize what he's saying is that two things, two points. Krishna or Brahman says, every living organism is aware of its body. Mm-hmm. I, as the Kshetragnya, whether I'm in a small, tiny little spider or a little mouse, am aware of my body and I'm aware of life and I'm afraid of losing my life. So give me, uh, let me give you, Lou always likes it when I give these personal examples. Yes. So I, I learned as I'm learning Vedanta and the Gita many years ago, not to kill something unnecessarily. So for example, if a poisonous snake came into my house, I would have no choice. If I tried to catch it and I couldn't, I'd have no choice but to kill it. But my first instinct would be to try to catch it whole and take it outside the house and deposit it far away from my house. Um, so there was, in I don't know, Lou, if you've ever experienced this, but I do. When the weather gets cold, mm-hmm. I see sometimes certain little insects crawling up out of the tub area into the tub. Sure. Not often, but sometimes. Yep. And if I try to catch with a towel or a piece of paper, this little slow moving insect on a slippery floor of the tub, you see it scrambling for its life. You actually feel its panic. It doesn't know that I'm not gonna hurt it. Whatever it thinks, it thinks I'm gonna kill it or it's gonna lose its life. It's scrambling up and down that tub and I'm trying to catch it desperately (laughs) to take it outside. Okay, first one example. Second. You try to catch a mouse and you're trying your best to catch it or to kill it because you don't want mice running all over your house. You're trying to catch it and it's running. It's petrified of losing its life. And what Kshetra says is that I am present in every living being and I'm aware that I'm giving life and that life is there. That there is an expression of life and an interaction with the world. That's what he's saying in this verse. Second thing he's saying is there's only one Kshetragnya. That is him, Brahman. And that is me. I appear as if I am in every being. That mouse, that spider, that little insect, and that human being, and the elephant. I appear as if I'm in every, but I'm really only one. And I was thinking about what example to give for this. And I thought that nowadays... Lou, I don't know if you've seen this, but when you're driving sometimes in an area where you're in the rural area, you've seen fields of solar panels. Have you ever seen that? Sure. I've seen it so many times where there's for acres and acres of solar panels all shifting as if they're facing the sun. Wherever the sun goes, it shifts to pick up the sun's rays. Right. If you haven't seen it, my friend then you will see it. But just imagine that there's a million solar, a lot, thousands of solar panels on this huge field facing up towards the sun. As you look at it, you see as if there's a thousand suns on these solar panels. Actually, there's only one sun. Right. The sun is reflecting in all these little mirror-like solar panels, and you see it as a thousand, but there's only one sun. So... What Brahman says is, I am present in every living being. You may think that I'm present everywhere, but I'm only one. And what he means is the same thing as if I'm giving you the example of the solar panels. Lou, what do you think? It sounds, 
sounds like what you're describing is instead of seeing each wave in the ocean individually, you understand that it's a, just a complete ocean. It's all part Correct. of the ocean. Yeah, It's all water, right? Mm -hmm. So in verse 4, it says what that kshetra field is and what it is like, what are its modifications, and whence it is, and also what he, Brahman, is, and what his, Brahman's, power is, that hear from me in brief. So God says, Krishna says, I will explain the term Kshetra and everything about Kshetra in the verses to come. And also what is the meaning of Brahman and what Brahman's power is. Kshetra is matter, a field, a body in which Kshetragnya is, the Atman functions. Kshetragnya is beyond description, cannot be explained. And he says that by the various rishis, sages, Munis, people in the past, they have sung hymns about the Kshetra and Kshetragnya and their relationship in millions of texts and spiritual discourses and literature. For example, in the Yoga Vashishta, there's 32,000 verses in just one Yoga Vashishta. Similarly, thousands of such commentaries. So when he says in the Gita, I'll describe it in brief, what he's referring to is, Look, there's plenty of scriptures. It's been described thousands and thousands of times. I'll just tell you in a few verses. Right. Verse 5, last one. Sung by sages in many ways, the various hymns, as also as distinctive precepts in indicating what Brahman is, full of reason and certainty. Brahman cannot be perceived by our body. No. We can't see it. We can't feel it. We can't taste it. We can't hear it. It cannot be experienced by emotions through the mind, and you cannot conceive of it rationally through your intellect. You can only become Brahman. Brahman is unknown. You can only reach the unknown through the known. So for example, if I go to somebody in a strange town, my apologies, Lou. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> if you go to a strange town, and you say to somebody, could you tell me how to get to the to such and such an address? Right. And he says, oh, yeah, sure. Why don't you go to the post office and make a left there and it's right there? And I said, I don't know where the post office is. Right. Oh, do you know, what do you know? Do you know Brown Street? No, I don't know Brown Street. Yeah, do you know no White Street? No. No frame of reference. No frame of reference. But if he says, all right, listen, you see that thing over there? You see that big red house? Yeah. Okay, that you know. Go to the red house, turn right there. You, and then, what do you, have you been on that street before? Yes. What do you know? Well, there's a 7-Eleven at the time. Okay, go to the 7-Eleven, turn right. So if you give them known parameters, you can get to the unknown from using known parameters. So um, that's how you get to Brahman, by using known parameters. So what he's saying here is that you can use reason by calculating through your known reason logic and devotion by just pure devotion to God, you can get past your ignorance of God. So articulate means conveying the knowledge through the subject by talking about it as we're doing now. Inarticulate means intonational, just by using the humming, sounds, devotional, conveying feeling through the mind, through devotion. Right. Thus, sages provided hymns which are devotional, as well as precepts, which are intellectual, as we're doing now, for you to reach the um, Kshetragna, 
the Brahman. So this was verse one to five. <laughs> Next time we'll do six and seven, which are fairly heavy. Then we come to 20 qualities of a jnani, a wise man, which are, very, which are all of us. We have it within us. They just need to be polished and brought out. So friends, thank you very much for joining us. And I hope you do write to me on Facebook uh, or watch these videos on YouTube or on your podcast. And let me know. I would love to hear from you through Facebook messaging. Thank you.